Welcome to episode 17 of the Triathlete Hour. I'm Kelly O'Mara, your host and editor-in-chief of Triathlete Magazine. This week, we have a fun episode. We're talking to the voice of Ironman, Mike Riley. No, he doesn't say his famous catchphrase for us, but he does reflect back on some moments he'll never forget in the sport, why he thinks crossing that finish line means so much to so many people, and why he's never done an Ironman himself. First up, though, you have a chance to nominate women you know doing great things in our sport. Sarah Gross, founder of Live Feisty, is here to tell us about the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Awards and how you can nominate a woman in one of nine categories. Then we chat a little bit about the trends we're seeing in the sport and what we're excited for in the future. All that after a short break. You don't want to miss anything we have coming. Subscribe to Triathlete Magazine on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts to get all of our latest right in your feed. Along with the Triathlete Hour, which features interviews with key figures in the sport, we have a bi-weekly training podcast, Fitter and Faster, which tackles tough training questions to get you fitter and faster. And we'll soon be launching a gear podcast to dive into all of your equipment questions. Plus, you can get the audio from all our Triathlete live shows, where readers are able to ask big names their own questions. All that on our Triathlete Magazine podcast feeds on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and SoundCloud. Keep listening. All right, this week, Sarah Gross is joining me. Uh, I feel like Sarah, founder of Live Feisty Media, other things too, Iron Man Champ. Is that still count? Do you still get to refer to yourself as Iron Man Champ? Is that like forever and ever? It's multiple Iron Man Champ. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> kidding. We, you're not just, kidding, but you're kind of kidding. Just so the audience knows. No, we're, um, like, I, we always laugh when people say multiple Iron Man Champ when it's like two. As soon as you're over winning one Iron Man, you're like multiple Iron Man Champ. No, um, I think you are. I think you're allowed to call yourself Iron Man Champ forever. Forever and ever. I think that's a thing. But yeah. really, we're having you on not because of your triathlon prowess today, but because you are the founder of Live Feisty, which is like, a, I don't even know how you describe Live Feisty, a women's triathlon-ish site. Well, our official tagline is um, a multimedia haven for the unapologetically fit and feisty. Oh, okay. Well, so take from that what you will. (laughs) And you guys also put on among like a number of podcasts and, you know, a website, everything you guys put on the Outspoken Conference in the fall, which is kind of a triathlon conference for, you know, people identify as women. And Triathlete has sponsored it, helped co-sponsored it the last couple of years. So I wanted you to come on and talk to us about the Outspoken Awards. Because obviously there are lots of awards in triathlon. You know, USA Triathlon has their awards for like age group of the year, athlete of the year. Ironman does awards at Kona for like Hall of Fame. I'm trying to think of other ones. Obviously we do like best of end of the year awards, but those are like products, races. So why did we need an Outspoken Awards? Oh, good question. Yeah. So we launched the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Awards last year. Um, And part of it was that because of the process of creating the Outspoken Summit, which is a Women in Triathlon Summit, um, we ended up finding like all these amazing women who are doing all kinds of amazing things in the sport. Right. So that was a lot of that was to do with the process of trying to find speakers and also trying to find speakers from um, diverse demographics. Right. So we didn't end up with like only white people speaking or whatever triathlon (laughs) would normally offer. You know, we definitely dug in and said, we know there's amazing people out there doing amazing things and we're going to find them. Um, And in the process, sure enough, we did find them. And so we thought it might be good. This is in the second year of the summit. So 2019, we thought it would be really great if we could create an awards that would actually 
first of all, through the nomination process, allow us to um, see and celebrate some of the women who are doing great things in the sport. And then also, obviously, through the awards themselves, be able to award people um, for their efforts. And I think because I think sometimes like like we know this, Kelly, we've talked about this a lot in on other podcasts, like how women's work is often undervalued or women are often doing a lot of emotional labor um, that is unseen. So we wanted to try to find those people and celebrate them. So that's what we did. And so last year was kind of the first year. But then this year, you guys, I mean, I know we're trying to expand the um, number of nominees, the the range of nominees. So that's why you're here to tell people to nominate women doing awesome things. Yeah, totally. We so first of all, I totally appreciate you um, having me on, and also Triathlete Magazine for like sharing, <laughs> for sharing the nominations, um, the nomination form. But we, um, yeah, last year we sort of had a pretty tight timeline. Like I think we we only had a month or so for folks to nominate people, and then um, those nominations ended up passed as far as our network allowed. Right. So this year we thought if we give it a longer stretch of time. So we launched. Um, beginning of July and people have until the end of August to nominate women in nine categories for the awards. So we, we really wanted to like push that nomination form, which I think, do you guys have show notes? Can we put this yeah, in the show yeah, notes? Yeah, we'll include the link uh, in our show notes so that people can nominate. We won't just like tell you a URL right now. Right. That's, that does, that doesn't work in podcasting. I hear. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, so we wanted people. So, so folks who are listening, definitely share that URL around with all the great women who are doing great things or nominate your friends for sure, because we want to reach like every corner of the triathlon world for the nominations. Um, is it North, but it's North American based. It is. Yeah. Last year, um, last year, Steph Hansen from Australia won a media award. So we do, you know, for people who have, who have some influence in the triathlon world, we do, we do plan to like create a bigger and bigger thing. Um, and there are, this is where we are. The categories, I mean, there's athlete, there's coach, there's media. I was like, there's a, a best kind of giving back to the community, that kind of thing. There's all kinds of things. Yeah. There's nine categories. Would you like to hear them? Um, uh, maybe. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You do. I know you do. Okay. So if you, if you have friends in any of these categories, please nominate them. Athlete of the year, coach of the year, race director of the year, outstanding media contribution. So for that one, you actually upload like a file, like a video or an article, or it's actually a media product um, that you're nominating with the person who created the product, obviously. Uh, Social media impact award, Bethany Rutledge Memorial award, um, and Bethany, uh, Bethany passed away, I think last year, or the year before. Um, and she was someone who in her community had, was a real, was making a difference one interaction at a time. Right. So that award is like for someone who's really making an impact, but you know, the kind of person who's just like, maybe they're coaching individuals or mentoring on an individual level. Um, so that's kind of a cool award. The pandemic community service award, oh. which hopefully will only be for one year <laughs> for this 2020 um, we have the Outspoken Woman of the Year uh, and a Lifetime Achievement Award we added this year because we wanted to sell Because you know how there's so many great women who have helped create triathlon into what it is as well. So um, we're hoping for nominations in that category, too. All right, cool. And uh, and obviously, you know, you have until August 31st to nominate people. You know, the conference sep- summit. Sorry. We're not sure what how it's going to look this fall. What's going to happen? That's, everything's still up in the air. Everything's still up in the air yeah. in the sport. Yeah. 
Yeah. So the summit itself um, is just on pause. We, we have some really good ideas, actually. So I'm excited to launch. <laughs> I'm excited to launch that as well, but it's not fully formed. But for these awards, what we're doing is we're like we're doing a virtual celebration. Right. So we're going to have a speaker and we're going to have we're going to hand out awards virtually for the, the in November. I think it's the 17th of November is the awards okay. ceremony. OK. Mm-hmm. Everyone's on Zoom. Everything will be on Zoom. Yeah. The other thing I wanted you to come on and talk about with me, though, in this whole note of, you know, everything's still up in the air, the sport is up in the air, is you and I spend a lot of time talking about trends in the sport. And what a lot of people are talking about now that I think is funny, because you and I have been talking about this for years, is now coming out of the pandemic, people are wanting to do lots of different things, right? It's not just anymore, I want to do only road triathlon. It's I want to do a gravel race and maybe a trail run and I want to go on a hike and then ski in the winter and then do some CrossFit. I only say that because you're like super into CrossFit, but (laughs) they want to do many different things. And that is what we're seeing, especially with younger people, um, especially now more than ever coming out of this pandemic, which is like a little weird. But I think it's because everyone got outside. More people are just like trying new things. Yeah, for sure. I think that goes across the board. Like that's not just triathletes trying new things. I think like here, the, the trails are, I don't know about in Boulder, but the trails are packed the here. The trails are packed here. It's like yeah, medium so, annoying. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Or more of my friends are taking up like mountain biking or like the lake. I live right beside a lake and the open water swimming is just nuts. Like there's constantly people there. Like the pool swimmers here bought wetsuits and just started training in the lake. It's crazy. Yeah. And so do you think all those people are going to stick at it like after after COVID is over, you know, whenever whenever that happens? Yeah, I think there'll be a shift. There'll definitely be a shift in um, in people's I don't know what you'd say, like race selection behavior. Like if you so if you for example, if you if you are someone who decided, oh, I'll just run a really far distance right? As a goal, because I can do that. So you pick a trail, maybe it's 30 miles, you go do it. These are the kinds of things people are doing right now, right? You might find that you really love (laughs) like ultra running. Um, And so that person may be like an occasional or a complete convert to ultra running where they were previously a triathlete. So I think like you'll, we'll see a lot of that shifting around people doing different things. So the people who learned a new skill like mountain biking or gravel riding um, obviously will continue to love that if they love it now. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, we were already seeing a shift in gra- to gravel from triathletes, but I think even more so now when people don't have races to prepare for, they're like, why not try riding on some dirt or get out on trails or do something different? Yeah, I think we were like we were sort of predicting that people were going to, like you said earlier, like people were going to start doing different types of things rather than road triathlons. But I think this probably like COVID probably accelerated that process of like people like branching out and finding, finding new types of races. And also like, for example, here, like I live in BC, Canada, right? So we've, um, we did pretty, pretty well in the first wave of the, of COVID, right? And now we're allowed to meet in groups of 50. Um, and folks have been doing like already what would be like a small local race, like which would probably look like besides a two meter distance, <laughs> adding in a two meter distance, which would probably look like kind of like, the beach is in California in the late seventies, early eighties when triathlon was just beginning. Right. So I think, and I, I, sorry, I don't want to sound like one of those people like hearkening back to the good old days. Cause like whatever, there's too much of that in our sport. But I think that, that it is like, th- there is that like grassroots sense of like 50 people who all want to do right. a half Ironman just like a week and a half ago, did it right here in Victoria. So. Yeah. And we've been pushing, um, 
kind of the idea of putting on your own triathlon, put on your own adventure that can be whatever you want it to be. Uh, we've included some some stories on our site on how to do that, you know, how to prepare because it just kind of takes some logistics, some logistics and planning, but mm-hmm. totally doable. If you're like, hey, I've always wanted to swim across that lake. Make sure you know how to swim. Be prepared, but then swim across the lake. Why not? Yeah, um, totally. But I do think I- you're right. We're going to see the first races back be like small, local. Hmm. Yeah, and we all we already are seeing that here. And then as they're like as folks are allowed to do more and more and meet in groups, uh, bigger and bigger groups, then we'll just it will just like be this slow little expansion back to normal, except in Florida. Right, except in Florida, <laughs> where this, everybody will where just everybody meet. can do whatever they want. But yeah, no, we've been talking to some race directors, some local race directors, that this might be an opportunity for you know, a local grassroots triathlon race renaissance, right? Where Mm. for so long, a lot of us were traveling really far for races, doing like the really big expensive races. And maybe we'll still do one of those a year, like for sure. I'm not going to like not go to Hawaii, obviously. But now you might go, you know, return to remember your like local splash and dash or your, you know, the gravel race that's like 45 minutes away or the little try that like your friend puts on to raise money for charity. Like those are the kinds of things I think we'll see sooner. Totally. And I think people will, I mean, we've sort of been forced to question like how attached are we to certain name brand races and how much do we need big races in order to, in order to feel satisfied in our race experience. And so if you're someone who feels like you needed that and then you went to a race with 50 local people and you were, you had just as much fun, you know, you might change how you plan your race season. No, I need big races, Sarah. <laughs> At least, like, and that's one. okay too. That's okay too, yeah. Kelly. Some people do. I do too. I admit, like, if this was, I, I don't do triathlon anymore. But if I did, or when I used to, you, you know, what do I try to say? It's like there's nothing like a big race for the competition side, right? Like, right. I like to have two thousand people out there that I can race against. Um, so I understand that side too. Good, good. But it will be, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun to see. Um. I think it's I think it's fun too. I'm a big advocate for like do whatever, do all the things, do everything, try different things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like yeah, and I think this is forcing people to do different things and try different things. Yeah, all these That's new people good. who brought bought bikes, right? All the people who bought bikes, they're out there. Right? Now. All the reason like I can't get like you know, we order stuff online and I can't get it because people like no the people can't get to find a bike right now because no. the because bike sales are so huge. Exactly. So, well, thanks for talking to us, Sarah. And everybody, make sure you nominate women doing good things in triathlon and get out there. We'll include the links to all that stuff in the show notes. So, thanks, Kelly. You don't want to miss anything we have coming. Subscribe to Triathlete Magazine on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts to get all of our latest right in your feed. Along with the Triathlete Hour, which features interviews with key figures in the sport, we have a bi-weekly training podcast, Fitter and Faster, which tackles tough training questions to get you fitter and faster. And we'll soon be launching a gear podcast to dive into all of your equipment questions. Plus, you can get the audio from all our Triathlete Live shows, where readers are able to ask big names their own questions. All that on our Triathlete Magazine podcast feeds on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and SoundCloud. Keep listening. All right, this week we have a surprise and interesting different guest, Mike Riley, the voice of Iron Man. If you've ever done a race, he's the one who calls you in. I feel like we need you to say the famous phrase, right? Like that's the that's what everyone's waiting for. 
Well, I, I, I consider that sacred. I know. I believe the, it. To the finish it. line, you know, exactly. people come up to me all the time and I, I, you know, they'll say, well, you didn't call me an Ironman. I go, well, how'd I miss you? Well, it was in, uh, Austria. I go, well, well I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do it now? And I'll do it for them because right. they had finished now, but just not like right. random. It seems, it, you know, I don't want it to take away from for what sure. it really is. What are you, I mean, right now with no races to call, really, are you just, are you just announcing things around your neighborhood? Like, <laughs> I was kidding with somebody the other day. I said, you know, my wife's about ready to kick me out of the house because her name's Rose. Kick me out of the house because she's sick and tired of hearing everybody. Good morning, Rose. You're finally up. <laughs> Welcome to the day. I can't. No, I, I, uh, gosh, I, I, I miss Sure, I miss the call, and, and but I miss the camaraderie of of what I believe are the heart and soul of our sport, the age right. groupers, of being able to be with them and see their nervousness and talk to them and listen to their stories of how long they've been on the journey to get to that particular race, some years on end. Mm-hmm. I miss I miss that dearly. It, uh, you know, I have my family, which is close to me here in San Diego, which is fantastic. But I have this second family I've been around for 30, 35 years. Uh, and there's always new family members every race. And I miss, gosh, I miss that so bad. It's the big void. If, if, if I ever speak the words retirement, shoot me. Because <laughs> I, I, I would drive everybody crazy around me not being able to have events to go to. Right, right. Um, what are you doing these days kind of fill your... Because whenever we talk to pro athletes, they're like, training more than ever, but I feel like, I don't know, what are you doing? Well, I have been training more than ever, that's <laughs> for sure. I, I, my riding's doing very well and doing a lot of uh, uh, upper body work, you know, doing all that that stuff, but uh, to keep busy, I've been doing a lot of work for Ironman still on the VR series. Oh, yeah. Doing yeah. interviews every week, two or three interviews of, of age group athletes, and then they put that on the show. Uh, I just did a six series uh, taking over the Ironman Instagram uh, live for uh, Norma Tech. And we did a question and answer session with some athletes called Would You Rather? I and saw that, yeah. It's been doing stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people have been calling me up and or sending me messages and asking me to do birthday messages and things like that. And I do that. I just ask that they donate to the Ironman, you know, whatever donation you want to the Ironman Foundation. Uh, I give them a link to my page and uh, because I don't, you know, I just I just figured if you want me to do it, I'll donate something to the Ironman Foundation. Right, right. So, you know, they, they, I've been I've been keeping busy, but there's times yeah, my, my world's always been built around Kelly of, oh, my gosh. OK, I'm looking at my calendar. It's, <laughs> it's Sunday and I leave Tuesday for such and such Ironman in the city. And I get there Tuesday night and Wednesday morning. The meetings start. And, you know, I, I miss that looking forward to right. like like we even look forward to holidays and vacations with our family and friends we don't have that right now and that looking forward part was always a big part of of uh how you fill your time you know the planning Mm -hmm. the planning planning. it's true um yeah i mean you have like now you have so many events i mean there's so many iron man events you can't even do all of them people have to like vote on which ones you're gonna do (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of kind of crazy how do you decide which ones are gonna you're gonna be the announcer at 
Well, there's some that I'll always keep, you know, obviously Kona right, will always yeah. be on my schedule. Lake Placid will always be on my schedule. I, I, I did that the first year in 99, haven't missed. I haven't missed Wisconsin, haven't missed Arizona. So there's some that'll kind of be the uh, foundation of my schedule. And then we go from there on places maybe I've never been before. And if I get a lot of requests to come and you know, Ironman Ireland, and, and then it has to be approved by Ironman to be able to go. Sometimes it doesn't work out, and sometimes it does. So I try to get as many places as I can. It's just tough to always get over to Europe. I'll go to Ironman Ireland uh, next year. Okay. I've done Frankfurt a couple times. But the schedule is so packed up with events in North America that I don't want to leave an event in North America to, to go to one overseas, even though I would love to be at the overseas one. So it's it's a push and pull. How many do you end up doing in a year? Is it like every it averages, weekend? Yeah, no, no. It it averages uh, 12 to 13 events with a couple of 70.3s in there, like Oceanside, since right. it's right in my back door. You know. <laughs> uh, uh, and maybe another 70.3 and and like a like a Lubbock, for instance. Right, and then the right. rest are all just all the Ironman races. So sometimes there's two in a row. And when that happens, it's a, you know, I, it, it's, it's tough because of the travel. I can pull off two in a row with the voice that, you know, it's sore after the second <laughs> Ironman, second weekend. But it's just the travel and being gone from home that long. So I try to break it up. To, so there's one a month and there's one or two a month, but there's always a gap in between. So tell us, I mean, you just mentioned your voice getting sore, which I've always, when you're actually at race day, what is that like? What does that day look like? Are you literally talking for the 17 hours straight or do you get little breaks? Well, I, I don't take breaks. I, oh, I, I mean, there's natural breaks. If all of a sudden it's a one lap bike course and everybody's gone, well, right. you know, I'm not doing a whole lot, <laughs> just giving updates and Nowadays, with updates being on Ironman Live and everything, you don't need to do that as much. But with a case of, say, Lake Placid, you know, there's a two-lap swim, so it's it's constant for two hours and 20 minutes. They go get on their bike. They they take off. I set up at the hot corner, which is at the halfway point of the bike, and they come ripping on through, so I'm announcing there. And then I leave that hot corner to go to the runout because they go by there three times right. on the way out and then back and forth. So I see them there. and. Then I look at my watch and go, all right, it's 2.30. Our winner, I calculate, be, be in about 3, 3.15. So get your butt into the oval, set up at the finish line, and then rock and roll till midnight. So a lot of them, there's a, there's a lot of talking all day long, and, and some there's some natural breaks. And the only breaks I take is I just run to the bathroom and, <laughs> and, and, and run back. And you'd be amazed at you didn't call me in. <laughs> oh my God. I was only in the bathroom twice for like five minutes. And I heard it from the, the, the six people that I met, you know? Right. Right. I was wondering, I was wondering if people get very upset, you know? Uh, yeah, they do. But I, I've never failed. They, if they send me a message, I've never failed that. I usually call them up on the phone. Oh, okay. Give it, give it to them live, no matter where they're at. The funny part is somebody else, like a brother or a, uh, a spouse will say, oh, my gosh, my wife didn't get called. You were on a break, they always say. You know? And, <laughs> and uh, I go, well, give me your phone number. And he goes, are you kidding me? So I do it, and I call up, and I go, hi, is this Jane? And, yeah, uh, I heard you didn't hear something you wanted to hear at the finish line in Lake Placid. And all of a sudden, you start hearing, what? Who, 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 who is this? 
Well, it's somebody that, oh, my God, it's Mike Riley. You know, they, they just, I guess the voice just gives it away. And then, and then I, you know, call her an Iron Man. Okay. There's a few tears and sometimes on both ends because it's pretty emotional. So, you know, I try to push it out there as much as I can to the people that possibly didn't hear it. For sure. What do you, I mean, 17 hours is a long time to come up with stuff. Talk, even just like you said, two and a half hours standing at a swim exit. Or two twenty, technically. What do you do? You run out of things to say. What do you talk about for all that well, time? Remember, my day's based on on athletes and their mm-hmm. names and who they are and where they're from. So, okay, I try to get that out as much as I can because, you know, our most prized possession is our name. Mm-hmm. It's, it's who we are. It's how people identify us. So when I bring out. You know, Jimmy Brown from Cleveland, Ohio. It's Jimmy coming out of the water on the first lap of the swim from Cleveland. Oh, my God, the look on his face. You know, <laughs> and the crowd cheers for that Jimmy. They don't know who he is, but we add a little energy to his day. So that's what a lot of my stuff is. And then, obviously, I'll know stories about somebody. Oh, here comes so-and-so, and she's a two-time breast cancer survivor. Right. Look at her go. And, oh, the crowd. And, you know, I get into it. I'm a fan just as much as anybody is. So... I try to uh, spill out as much information as I can about the athletes. So I n- I've never, I've never sat there and go, "Oh my God, what am I going to say?" It just, <laughs> it seems. I guess I'm Irish and I'm full of you know what, and it just keeps coming out. So uh, I've never worried about not having anything to say. Okay, say. all right. So because I feel like that's what everybody would be like. That's everyone's question, right? It's like, how do you, how do you come up with stuff to talk about? But you just keep, just keep talking. It's fine. Yeah, and I don't talk to talk. You know, sometimes <laughs> silence is golden. When music's going, spectators are having a long day. They don't want to hear somebody constantly in their ear because they're not going to listen after a while. So I break things up, and I'll go for a three, four-minute hit, giving a lot of information. Then I'll shut up for a minute. And that, that minute of silence is hard sometimes, you know. And, but but the athletes are uh, and the spectators are cheering everybody on. Sometimes I'll just say, come on, they need to hear it from you. And then they raise the octave of how much they're cheering. Right. They stay in the game just like uh, for the athletes. So uh, it's just it's kind of an art on making sure you have those highs and lows throughout the day so you don't burn everybody out before <laughs> You know, five in the afternoon. We got a long day. We got a long day. It's true. And you, I mean, obviously now, you know, Iron Man's really large. There are lots of races everywhere. It's a whole production. But I mean, when you started this, it kind of just, you just happened to be in the mix when triathlon became a sport, right? Like you called the first pro tri race. Yeah. You know, when you're, you're, you're living in San Diego and you're a runner and endurance athlete and all of a sudden you start going out for these runs with, you know, and I represented Tinley's clothing line. So I'd go running with Scott or riding. I go, God, he's fast. I can't, these guys are fast. And you try to hang on as much as you can. And it was just our lifestyle. And, and when I was able to get on a microphone early on in the late seventies, early eighties at running events, it just, I just liked it. And, and I was still doing a lot of competing, but then you know, race director, hey, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you come out. And I go, really? You're going to pay me a hundred bucks to talk? talk? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> so, uh, so it just, uh, it's where I was at. You know, I was in San Diego and, and my gosh, I was just lucky to be here because I, I, I grew up, you know, from my 30s on up with the, with the sport. Right, right. So you've basically seen it its whole life. I mean, you did call the first professional triathlon race, right? Like that's, yeah. yeah. Beach, right. I was uh, one of the co-race directors and I don't forget, I got done announcing the last one came in 
and I think it was Murphy Reinschreiber was one of the race directors and, and, uh, but Jim Curl and somebody else. And they go, we got to pick up, we had these big barricades out on uh, coast highway. And so I said, well, I'll do it. So I ran along picking up these big kids, throwing them in the back of the truck while somebody else was, and I'm thinking, is this a, I don't want to be a race director. Is this what I got to do? I'll just, why can't I just announce race? You're like, I'll just talk. You do the other I stuff. Just, yeah. Somebody else pick that stuff up. How long have, and you've been doing Kona since what? The early 80, 89 was my first oh, year 89. there. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's changed a lot. I mean, the sport, but Kona too since then. Right. And you haven't missed a year since then. Yeah. It, uh, everybody always asks about the changes you've seen and, <laughs> Okay, you know, I've seen changes, obviously, in coaching and nutrition and technology and and bikes, obviously, and uh, running form, the whole deal. But, you know, it's still swim, bike, and run with the exact same dip- distances. So, to me, that foundation is still the same after all these years, since 78, yeah. since the first one. So, everybody's had a lot of changes. Yeah, there's these external changes, which has made the sport better and Obviously, it's become a big business, but on race day, I'm I'm back in the 80s when that cannon goes off going, all right, here we go, baby. We got swim, bike, and run. We got 2,500 in the water, and and, and I, I hope every one of them finishes. It's the same thoughts in my mind every race. I hope everybody, I always tell everybody there's a 100% chance of 100% of you finishing today. Okay. And, you know, everybody, oh, yeah. And, you know, not everybody finishes because okay. things happen. But you want to set that goal at the start with everybody because that's that's their goal. Right, right. So Nobody that, starts that hoping changed. not to finish, right? Exactly. And, and that hasn't changed. So I, I've seen a lot of changes, but the, the foundational piece of, of our sport is, is, is the same. It has not changed. And you, I mean, you wrote a book last year. Uh, mm-hmm. called Finding My Voice that really looked back at some of your favorite kind of moments and, and stories. And I hope you can t- like share with us some of your some of your favorites, like some that stand out over the, God, 30 years. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, one of the biggest reasons I wrote the book was because I thought it would be, uh, you know, not I, th- I thought I'd to not share these stories wouldn't be right. And some of them are public and people know. But what I did was I. You know, I've taken a lot of notes over the years, talked to a lot of people, and, and I just wanted to give people my perspective of what I saw through my eyes, because mm-hmm. uh, I see a lot of things others don't see, whether I'm perched on that tower or, or I know a backstory of a person coming in, so I'm able to do that. And, and plus, I kind of dove into, you know, what are those four words? What are they, and why are they so powerful? Because, Kelly, it took... You know, I that first time I said it was 91. It was probably another six, seven, eight years before I really realized what those words were were doing to people and doing for people. It, sure, they were coming out of my mouth. It was my voice, and they were telling me, "Oh, I got to hear you say it." But, <laughs> but it, but it, it, it just transcended my voice and it's transcended the sport. It. It, uh, you know, when somebody crosses that finish line, it's not about them crossing the finish line. It's about who they become. Okay. People have been transformed. So I wrote stories about people transforming right in front of the, what I say, in front of their very own eyes over the years. They find this new human inside themselves when they set these huge goals of 
possibly doing an Ironman or even running a 5K. Right. You know, getting getting the butt off the couch. And so, and, and you know, I, I dove into PTSD with one of our fellow athletes who, you know, former United States Marine. I dove into uh, three failures that I saw that just were gut-wrenching. The failure of Sarah Reinerson, the failure of Scott Rigsby, and the failure of Rudy Garcia Tolson, three amputee athletes who failed on their first Ironman. And I, I don't, I was one maybe skeptic. Well, I don't know if they're going to come back. Hey, they were at the start line and they almost got there, and 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 that's good enough. But no, you, it shows you that failure is something that you have to have in your life to find success. Because all three of them came back. They right. came back mm-hmm. and they all, and my gosh, to be able to bring them in, it was so emotional because you know, and, and, and it's easy to say right now and seem short, doesn't it? But another entire year of those goals, of those right. sacrifices, all those training mileages of trying to get it right. And they still weren't guaranteed whether they're going to finish the second time, but they did. And how they did it inspires me to this day. So I felt, since I was so inspired and motivated by these stories, it'd be selfish of me not to share a lot of them. And the hardest part was leaving some out. Right. I, I, you know, I didn't want to write a war and peace. And, you know, it, it just had to leave some stuff out that was re- really powerful. But, but so that's why I wrote it. And, and uh, I'm, I'm happy with the, the sales are great. It's been people, the comments have been fantastic. And, and it's kind of a never ending story. Right. There's there's more to come. <laughs> right. No, I mean, there's I mean, one would hope <laughs> that there'll be more. Yeah. Are there uh, out of the book? I mean, are there any specific stories you want to share with us that, you know, like really stand out to you or? Oh, gosh. I you know, know it's hard. It's hard. It, it's hard <laughs> because. Uh, uh, well, Mike Ergo was was a story that, you know, he was in the second battle of Fallujah as a United States Marine and he lost almost every one of his comrades in that battle. I mean, he lost over the years 23 of his comrades in that battle alone, like 17 came out of that and didn't know. But he had, you know, survivor's remorse. Who knew? He didn't know what that was. PTSD and survivor's remorse. And, you know, here's a guy that before he came home, didn't want to come home in the shape he was in. He put his M16 rifle in his mouth on New Year's Eve when he was over there, but just didn't pull the trigger because he didn't want his family to have to tell people what he did. Right. So he came home to kind of do it naturally. You know, he drank and did cocaine and rode his motorcycle 100 miles an hour, living recklessly. And finally, his wife said, I'm done. You, I can't live with you. You're a different person and you've got to change. And then uh, there was a lot of progression of how he uh, discovered change and was given advice and started working out again and started having these feelings you know, his, his nightmares started going away or they, they were still there, but they didn't affect him as much. And so he kept working out more and more. And the funniest part of the story, and I didn't know this till I talked to him in New York, uh, like three or two years ago. And he goes, you know how I really discovered Ironman? Cause he had run half marathons and right. stuff like that. I go, how my wife and I went to Kona on vacation <laughs> And it was Iron Man. I go, you got to be kidding me. You didn't know. No, we showed up. And I've heard this a dozen times from people. And I go, what? You showed up? I couldn't believe what was walking around. These men and women look like gods. And and I go, I want to be like that. And, you know, he 
he says Iron Man saved his life. Right. And, you know, after he did his first Iron Man, he took some time off, decided, well, I need a little break. Well, guess what? Some of those old feelings and and scared nerves started coming back into him. And he goes, oh, okay, I've got to. I've got to work this out. And he went back to a good training regimen and the whole deal. And, and it's what's saving his life on a day by day basis. Why do you think Iron Man like does that for people? Right. Like, I mean, obviously triathlon, the sport training, like what people do marathons, but there's something about the full Iron Man distance that people really cling, like mean something. I I think because it's such a huge goal Mm -hmm. when people set that goal, even their family and friends are, uh, they're they're actually negative about it. A lot of them, ah, you can't. Why are you gonna do that? You you ran a marathon. What do you mean Iron Man? That's crazy. People don't do that. And and when you set that huge, humongous goal, and you get to that start line, even though you've got naysayers in your life who love you, but they don't really do it. But but naysay, and you had to balance your work and your home and your. You're with your parent and your and your relationship, and it's a hard balance. It's it's beat people up, and all of a sudden you get to that start line, and you end up succeeding and getting to the finish line. You're you're a new person. You're, and when people find themselves because adversity introduces you to yourself, huge adversity like an Iron Man, you really find out what's deep inside. Then you go on and you. You know, you actually, some people go save the world. They save their own world. And I think that's why. It's just because it's such a huge, hairy goal and and not many people can do it. So it's, I, I, I've seen people be able to cope with their lives like Mike Ergo, Sarah Reinerson, after she finished her race. My gosh, she's just one of the strongest humans you'd ever want to meet. But she was just as strong before, but she had to prove to herself when she came across that finish line. So that's what Iron Man does. Okay. It shows people who they really are. Interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, so you've done one, right? Like you've done a few. Well, you didn't read the book. No, I, I have not. I don't have it. <laughs> We're not in our office anymore. I'm, not, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, there's, uh, I have not. Really? And, and I put in there why no, because okay. 89 was the year I was looking at doing it. I was training and the whole deal. And that's when they asked me to, come over and announce with Mike Plant. Uh-huh. It's like being called up out of the minor leagues, for goodness sakes, you know, to go to Kona. And and I said, oh, I can always, I can always do an Ironman. I, I want to go and announce. <laughs> well, that was 30 years ago. And then people go, well, you could do it this other race, do Florida. I go, no, if I'm going to do an Ironman, I'm going to do Kona. All right. <laughs> you know? So, uh, but I, I received so much pleasure it's my Iron Man of being on the microphone, bringing everybody home. I don't feel guilty about not doing one. I'm still in awe of people that do it. So, you know, that enthusiasm keeps coming out. Uh, I'm not saying that if I did an Iron Man, someone would finish and I wouldn't be enthusiastic because <laughs> I would say to myself, oh, I did that. What's the big deal? No. So I, I, uh, it, it, my Iron Man is being on that microphone. I okay. don't know why, but. I, I I don't know. I don't know, and I've never said this before, if I'd have the exact same feeling huh. coming across the finish line myself as I do when I'm on that microphone bringing people home. Yeah, that's interesting. 
Now I'm now I'm like curious if you're ever going to do like once you retire, which you said you're never going to retire. But now I'm, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah somebody said, hey, Riley, you're going to be like 78 and go out and do your first. Time. Right. <laughs> and I go, I'll tell you one thing. I'll come in a minute before midnight because that's when I know the biggest cheers. Are, you know, <laughs> it is. I have been at the midnight at Kona when the the 83 year old guy from Japan came it was it's crazy it's like that midnight time is such a crazy and I don't think another sport really has the equivalent to that no they do not it's a magical hour or two before that 17 hour cutoff no matter if it's Kona or Lake Placid or Florida or Canada something about you know, I had Jan Ferdino was at the finish line this year in Kona, and he's partying. You know, he's back putting lays on the final <laughs> right. two hours, having the time of his life. And and I just and I'm down on the ground now, and I just brought uh, an older woman across the finish line, gave her a high five, gave her a hug. He put the lay on her. She looked up at him like, "Oh my god!" You know, they don't know Jan. <laughs> oh my god, God's giving me a lay. Right. You know, it's just, and and she goes away, and he comes up to me, he goes. I have no idea how they do this. I go, what are you talking about? How, how can how can you do it and be out there that long? I could never. He's in awe right. of the athletes who are moving their bodies for close to seventeen hours, and here's the fastest guy in the world. You right. know, and and that's what's no no other sport can duplicate that. You know, and if 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 Jimmy Johnson finishes a NASCAR race or Meb Kaplesky finishes first, I don't know if he's there waiting for the last person, if they're both, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and being as thrilled about that as they are almost about their win. Because I think Jan is as thrilled, and Daniela when she's been there, and Rennie's when she's been there, as thrilled at the finish line watching these people that they have been with their win. Oh, yeah. No, one of the first times I made my parents come back with me for midnight, they thought it and we saw and Rachel Joyce had won the one I was at Montreal and she was walking back. And my parents thought that was they were like, I've never heard of this. That's amazing. It's like crazy. So it it is when I see him in the back and I I, okay, they're here and I'll bring, you know, I remember bringing Rachel out to the top. I go, look who's here, (laughs) women's champion, Rachel. And people just, oh, what are you kidding me? Right. It's like, you know. The home run hitter goes up in the stands. That doesn't happen, you know. What I mean, but but she's she's back there. You're right. It's it's a magical time, and and so many people. I've said you got to come back. Go have dinner if you right. want, you know. And just keep in mind, my butt's still working while you're having dinner. But I'll be there. You know, after I give my friends a hard time, then they'll people will come back who've never been there before and go, Riley, you never told me it was like this. I've been telling you for years. No, your words can't never could put into uh you know what what this was like it's just i i I can't believe what i just saw and people are inspired for the rest of their lives because of it oh yeah for sure the midnight the midnight is pretty crazy um so i'm thinking about all of your races that you said you do that you hit like you hit lake Placid, you hit wisconsin you hit kona i'm like which one i mean besides kona what's your favorite race here what do you feel like your you know your favorite finish line well I've got, I've got near and dear my heart is, is New Zealand. I've been okay. going there for 20 some years. Lake Placid, done that every year. Uh, Wisconsin, you know, Mont Travelon, I've done that every year. It's a special place. The Canadians up there are just so special. But truly, my most favorite Ironman is the one I'm at. Right. It, it has to be. Right. Why, right. why would I, 
why would I say something's my favorite and I'm at another race and somebody goes, well, this isn't Mike's favorite. He likes this one better. I don't like any of them better than my most favorite Ironman is the one I'm on the ground right there working with those athletes. That's my favorite. It has to be. And it is. Yeah. And you and you said, obviously, you work in a few 70.3s, but there's so many races that (laughs) you can't do them all. There's like 200 and something races in the world. And now and now there's like a the European voice of Iron Man. There's like a person who does it in South America. Do you guys like trade tips? Do you talk to each other? Is there? Oh, we talk. Yeah, we talk okay. a lot. Paul Kay, who you know lives in South Africa, goes to Europe during the summer, calls a lot of those events. I bring Paul over to Kona, and he works that with me. Uh, uh, Pete Murray in Australia. I've worked with him a number of times. He does the Euro Asia, you know, the Oceania uh, events. Uh, Joanne Murphy works mm-hmm. out of Ireland, works the UK and and uh, the Ireland events. Uh, Till works the germ some of the German events. So they're yeah, and we've gotten on the phone together, and I've been able to work with a lot of them. And and there's no real, you know, I I a lot of them God, my, I don't know if I want to say that back you know a few years ago to say you are an Ironman. That's your no 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 no, that is not mine. <laughs> It is the athletes. Right. It, it is theirs and theirs alone. It needs to come out of your mouth I, it, it, because they deserve that. And for you not to do that, don't get on the microphone. I mean, that's that's what Iron Man is. They're an Iron Man, and that's what we do. And and uh, so we all got a fantastic relationship, and nobody tries we're not outdoing anybody. I can't, you know, one year I did all that. I did Germany, Canada, Kona, and what was the other one? And New Zealand and, uh, and Australia. I could, I did them all. And all of a sudden the races started adding up and I go, I can't, I can't go to all these. There's like two on a weekend, three on a weekend, you know? <laughs> so yeah, we've got voices, Tony Lugo down in Puerto Rico. I've worked with him. And oh yeah. yeah. The South America races. Mm-hmm. And he actually will be doing Waco if we go there this year with me on Ironman Texas. So I love working with the other guys. The only thing is I get going and, you know, if I'm at an event and and I don't call him an Ironman at that event, I I hear about it. So I, I, God bless my guys that work with me, Tom Zebart, who worked with me most of the time at all that. He doesn't, you know, I go as long as I can because I try to bring as many in as I can. But then when I got to go to the bathroom or something, they'll take it right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I was wondering if you guys have like a whole network of announcers now, if it's a whole thing, because you all, because also everybody, I mean, you know, all the pros, they know the pros in their ta- like countries. It's like a whole community, right? Pretty oh yeah. Much. I'll, I'll uh, send Paul a message. I go, Paul, this new pro out of Yugoslavia, how are you pronouncing her last name? And he'll send me a, uh, a, a text or a voicemail and say it. And I go, okay. I got it. I got it. You know, and go back and forth and he'll go, what's this city? One time, I don't know if it was Paul's. What's this city near San Diego? La Jala. I go, oh my gosh. No, that's a Mexican. It's La La Jolla. What do you mean? Like with an H? Yeah, La Jolla. Oh, thank you. So, you know, we try to keep everybody abreast to uh, be able to pronounce, you know, areas of the world. Right, right. And do they say, uh, you know, your famous, you are an Iron Man phrase in different languages? Like, is that in different countries? Well, you know, it's funny. When I went to Frankfurt, I, I said, hey, you want me to say it in German? Because I can say it in German, you right. know. And no, 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 Mike, you must say it. You are. You know why? I figured it out after a year or two. 
because what is said in Kona? Right. And Kona is the Holy Grail. They've heard, you know, me say it in Kona for 30 years on NBC broadcast, bringing their friends in, and they want to hear those exact same words in English. Right. Uh, wherever I'm at. Now, Paul will do it uh, in Spanish because most of the Spanish is down there. But then people will say, no, say you are an Iron Man. They know how to all say that. So, uh, but I only say it in one language okay. because it's, it's universal. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering because obviously there's a lot of new races in like new countries, a lot of areas that haven't had right. Iron Man races before. Um, so, yeah, that'll be interesting. It's becoming even more global these days. Yeah, and and uh, but but like I say, Kona is the pinpoint, you know, mm-hmm. where everybody knows. Even newbies that come into the sport know about Hawaii and have heard you are an Ironman. So uh, that's what it seems like they want to hear. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And uh, and you said these days, like lately, with all the VR, you're doing the VR announcing. You're doing like some kind of fun interviews with age group athletes. You did that whole like would you rather thing with all the pros, which I think was pretty funny, right? Yeah. I've done some, uh, I did a birthday. I, I love these because I, I got a call from a daughter of a guy who's like an eight-time Ironman finisher, and she was putting like a video collage of his friends and everything. And and then I was at the at the uh, end of it. All of a sudden, I popped on the screen, and I, I did the video. And, you know, hey, so, so how are you doing? My gosh, you're an eight-time Ironman. And now it's your... It was his 70, no, 60th. Now it's your 60th birthday. Congratulations. You are a birthday boy. <laughs> guy. She sent me a video of him watching it. And he's looking, he's pointing. That's Mike Riley, everybody. That's Mike Riley. You know, people in the room going, who the Who, like that? what? Yeah. <laughs> who the hell? You know, so, uh, uh, but I love doing that stuff because it just means so much to them. And means a lot to me to be invited into their homes. Right. I actually did a, uh, a uh, commencement speech for a PhD in uh, uh, speech pathology. She was getting her PhD and, and uh, the father set up the whole thing. So I did the commencement speech for her uh, via zoom with the whole family. And that was, you know, and I've done a couple, I talked to 400 employees of a San Diego based company who are all home on a zoom broadcast for about an hour and 10 minutes, just trying to, you know, do some motivation and inspiration telling some stories but you know people are having a tough time sitting by themselves and and that interaction of the human is what we all thrive off of and we don't have it right now so you know i just try to give them tips of what i'm doing and what others are doing and how you just you know there's no alternative we need to push through it just keep moving forward right right and obviously like we're also seeing more and more people get out on bikes now get out running being outside to kind of work through some of that so we oh might, my gosh, my, yeah. my neighborhood, I've been the neighborhood bike mechanic. <laughs> they know I ride. Guys, guys bring I go, when was the last time you were on this? Well, I don't know, about eight years ago. Well, no wonder it's not working. The chain's rusty, though. You know, but so many people, but I love it. They're getting active. I've never seen so many people walk their dogs by right. the house. And I just hope they keep it up. Right. Because you know what? Just like exercise helps people cope with mental stress, even mental illness and physical maladies and, and that, that being physical helps you cope. Well, being physical now is helping everybody cope with what's going on. So they should be taught a lesson. Keep it up because life isn't easy. And 
I think when we work out and we get done with that workout, we're feeling a little better about ourselves, about the world around us, and we move on in the day. Uh, but if you're going to sit on your butt three days in a row, uh, you're going to start going down a hill you don't want to go down. Yeah, what's the, there's a joke that used to tell me it takes three weeks to get in shape and three days to get out of shape or something like that. Uh, and now, <laughs> at my age, it's like three hours. <laughs> I, I, did a, I did the Ruby over the weekend. I rode Lake Placid twice. Rode pretty, I wanted to beat my time the second time, which I did by like 11 seconds. I go, I'm not getting much better. Then I went out the next day and did like 40 hard, you know, climb in San Diego. Then I took yesterday off. And this morning, before this, I, I'm gonna, I got a 22-mile kind of time trial route. I'm going to go out there and just sprint it out. And I go... What, what the heck? I feel like I'm <laughs> weighing 289 pounds. What's going on here? You know, it's only been a day off. <laughs> like, oh, man. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to ask you about because we've been doing would you rathers with the pros when we've been talking to them. And then I saw you were doing yeah. that with a bunch of them. So I was going to ask you what's your favorite would you rather that you've asked people so I can like, you know, steal it. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> uh, one of them, one of them is, uh, if you're going to throw up, would you let it go or slow down on the run? <laughs> and most of them go, I, I just, I just let it go. I just let it go. Said, well, I slow down and let it go. And then I take all big <laughs> in, you know, <laughs> you know, obviously the easy one of pee in your wetsuit. Right. Uh, you know, uh, oh, I always like, I like asking because they don't, you know, the other part of the world, who'd I ask yesterday? I had Simon Marshall and Leslie Patterson. I asked Leslie, I go, Brad Pitt or Leonardo DiCaprio? Oh, Brad Pitt. Oh, <laughs> right away, she changes into this fan, like, oh, my God. So I said to Simon, I said, uh, Charlize Theron or Emily Blunt? Because he was born in South Africa and lived there for a while. Simon did. Right. She's a South African. Emily's a... A Brit, and he was he was uh, raised in the UK, and right away he goes Charlize. I go, why? She's from South Africa? No, she's just hot. Yeah, you know? yeah that's <laughs> true. <laughs> and uh, so stuff like that, you okay. know, tea or coffee, and just to get them. I, I I one I like. I go, do you like do you like riding steep climbs or riding flat into a headwind? Oh, steep and most climbs. Oh, I got to climb oh, that yeah. wind because I, I, I hate wind, too. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we were going to ask you. Obviously, usually I ask people about their plans for the year. This year is kind of crazy. Do you have anything on your schedule, like looking forward right now? Yes, I, the, the first one is uh, I'm looking at my calendar there is Ironman, Wisconsin. Oh, that's so still OK. Yeah, Wisconsin, September like 13th, the next weekend, St. George. So I've got those two back to back. The weekend after that is Chattanooga. A lot of people want me to go to Chattanooga, but I don't know if that's been decided yet. And I'd love to go. Uh, it'd be three in a row, which right. I, I, I look at it now. I don't, three in a row is kind of a tough thing, but after having all this time off, <laughs> I'm ready to go. So, right, right. yeah, maybe, maybe I'll go to Chattanooga. I don't know. All right. And then after that is, like Waco and and then uh, Arizona and Florida, you know the the big one. No, no overseas stuff, obviously. So no, I, I don't they, think that's happening. Yeah, I, and I hope these happen. But you know, we're we're going through a tougher time again, mm -hmm. and who knows what the fall is going to bring? No, I mean, nobody, nobody knows right now. Yeah.
because I've been thinking about doing Chattanooga, and I'm like, I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know. We'll see. So, we'll see. see. That's the other thing. Everybody's always so stressed because, like I said earlier, planning is a big part of who we yeah. are. And it, it then makes us set our goals, set the schedule, balance life. And when, when you can't plan because you don't know where that start line's at, it's, it's tough. It is. It's tough. It's all right, though, guys. We're all going like, to come back stronger next year. <laughs> It'll be fine. Oh, my gosh. I, I just hope 2021 is, is our year. Yeah. It's just everybody has smiles on their faces. We're, you know, we'll probably still be cautious, and there'll be things we're going to not do that we could do before. And It's tough for me. I'm a hugger and a high-fiver and, <laughs> and uh, love giving kisses to my you know, friends I see at the race. And you know, I just, that, That's just who I am. And it, and that that's going to be tough if that, you know, can't yeah. happen. Yeah. I mean, you know how many high fives I've given at the finish line over the years? How can I not give somebody a high five when they're running by me? I mean, I just don't know how I can hold my hand down. I mean, I'll have gloves on, but, you know, they, they, it might not be appropriate. So right, just, right. Who knows? Yeah, we'll have to see how this all goes. Um, But, you know, we have all of your stories to to kind of keep us inspired and keep going through this, so... There's, 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 you know, and Grace McDonald, the story about Grace and what uh, happened to her and how her family coped and built Iron Man was a part of their life. It's part of their fabric. And even though they lost little Grace, they kept that fabric of Iron Man because she loved it so dearly and it kept the family together. I think if they would have went away from Iron Man and racing and, and gone in different directions, uh, you know, tough things may have happened to the family, but they kept them gelled together. So it, it sometimes people, Mike, that's kind of hokey how you talk Iron Man. Well, it, it, it emulates life. Iron Man right. emulates life. You got to set these big goals. You got to attain them. You've got to finish what you start. You, you know, it's, it's life. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people go through life doing all that hard stuff without doing an Iron Man, and that's fine. And they're physically active and the whole deal. But when people jump into our sport, it seems to change them into someone they've been looking for for a long time. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's what we got going for us. Well, thank you so much for, for talking to us. And hopefully, you know, hopefully I can find a copy of your book now and everyone can go in and, you know, well, I give it a, a read. To the office. I know I we're sent... not in the office anymore these days. Yeah, that's the whole yeah, issue. I, yeah, I, <laughs> so. I know. I know, son of a gun. Well, thank right, you well, so thank much. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate you having me on, and I love what you do for the sport. You guys are, uh, you know, you're our eyes and ears, and with all the writing and, and the podcast and, and the online stuff we've been reading, you got to keep it coming because you, you, you're there. You're like our connection. You know, <laughs> we always have to be connected with one another, and, and you're a great conduit for our connections which we all dearly need so thank you for that thank you thanks to sarah and mike and to all of you for listening be sure to subscribe on spotify stitcher itunes wherever you get your podcasts you don't want to miss our weekly episodes on wednesdays our training podcast every other friday or our soon to come gear podcast keep listening and keep doing whatever kind of training makes you happy